0: From The Daily Burn, I'm Keisha with Arimeti, and this is In The Know. This time on the podcast, we examine the mental health landscape at UCLA and get an inside look at a familiar name for all students, CAPS. Mental health facilities are a central part of UCLA's student services. The quarter system is demanding, and many students seek counseling or mental health treatment on campus. But for years, students have been hearing stories about long wait times and limited options at UCLA's Counseling and Psychological Services Center. So for this week's podcast, I wanted to get the inside story. Why the name CAPS comes with so much baggage. To do that, I went to someone with a big presence in the Daily Bruin office. Someone who has been reporting quite a bit about mental health services offered at California college campuses.
1: My name is Christy Valerie Hogg. I'm the Bruin social media director and senior staff news reporter and photographer.
0: Wow, you do a lot of the newspaper then. I do. So tell us, what is CAPS?
1: CAPS is UCLA's Counseling and Psychological Services Center. It offers short term mental health treatment for students on campus, and this treatment includes PERT's website, psychiatric evaluation and treatment, crisis consultation and emergency intervention, organizational consultation, and psychoeducational workshops for students, staff, and faculty. So students with UC SHIP or University of California Student Health Insurance Plan can receive up to six therapy sessions with a CAPS counselor. Students without this insurance plan can receive up to three therapy sessions.
0: Three therapy sessions.
1: Yes, three therapy sessions. And it's important to note that these services are short term. So once a student exhausts their therapy sessions, they're directed to mental health service providers through their insurance or to behavioral health services at UCLA.
0: What you're meaning to say is that CAPS, which is UCLA's sort of official campus entity, effectively diverts students to different services then.
1: Yes. So basically, CAPS will work with a student's um, insurance plan to help find like a Blue Anthem health mental health service provider in the community, or they'll direct them to behavioral health services at the Ronald Reagan um, Medical Center.
0: And how prevalent is the demand for mental health services on campus?
1: When you go to a campus like UCLA, which, by the way, we are the number one public university.
0: I'm sure we can't understate that enough, I suppose.
1: (laughs) Um, There is a huge amount of stress with the rigorous course load that students are balancing, plus the extracurriculars that students are also participating in. And... According to studies done by numerous psychologists, including UCLA psychology professor Carrie Bearden, one in four Americans will experience a mental illness at some point in their lifetime, and about 75% of those illnesses develop before the age of 24. So when you take this data coupled with the information that I stated earlier, there's a huge demand for mental health services on campus.
0: And has CAPS been able to cope? With this high student demand for mental health resources?
1: CAPS has not been able to cope with this demand. Any student who seeks mental health treatment at CAPS undergoes what's called an intake, which is essentially a brief psychiatric screening. Using the screening, CAPS determines how critical a student's mental health need is. About 50% of students are seen within two weeks of their intake, and 50% of students are seen almost three to five weeks after their initial intake. Intakes, the very first step in receiving mental health treatment at UCLA, become backed up throughout the quarter. There's about six therapists available to complete these screenings, and even then, CAPS has trouble retaining clinicians. There's also issues with funding and space. CAPS primarily receives its funding from student fees, which clearly aren't enough to keep clinicians long-term at the facility. And even if they did receive more funding, there isn't enough office space to house these clinicians.
0: Okay, so I see a couple things here, and I want to sort of break them apart. So the first thing you're saying is that CAPS does a sort of assessment, what you call an intake, and then there's a two to five week delay. Mm -hmm. Explain this to me. Why is there such a delay? How come they can't see you within maybe a couple days or something?
1: Well, there's a lot of reasons for that. First of all, there's, again, a limited number of clinicians available to see all these students. And again, all of these appointments get incredibly backed up, especially to the point where they're backed up around five weeks after finals, um, according to an interview that I had with Nicole Green, the director of CAPS. Students who do receive intakes nearing finals don't actually get seen until after their final exams are taken.
0: You're saying that there are six therapists who can do these screenings, and there's been trouble retaining those clinicians. Talk to me a bit more about that. What have been the challenges with keeping these clinicians And how has that sort of been affecting how CAPS has been able to address increasing student demand?
1: There's pros and cons to working at any public institution versus a private institution. Obviously, as a licensed professional, you would be paid more if you worked at a private institution. And obviously, working at a public institution at UCLA, there's a lot of limitations, especially in terms of funding. And because of that, CAPS has trouble retaining it's clinicians because of the fact that they're obviously not paid as much as a psychologist who opens up their own private practice. That's one reason. And there's 44,000 students here at UCLA and there are not enough clinicians to see each and every one of those 44,000 students if they wish to receive that care. I believe the ratio at UCLA is there's one mental health professional per 1,150 students and that's a drop in the bucket.
0: So this is a very internal look at CAPS and I'm curious, do students have this kind of vantage of CAPS? Are they aware of these difficulties or are they seeing it in a very different way?
1: Students see CAPS in such a different way. From the point of orientation, um, new student orientation, when students are first introduced to UCLA to the way CAPS is advertised on the Hill. CAPS is seen as this one-stop shop for all of your mental health needs. Even my friends who are going through mental health issues will refer them to CAPS. Students aren't actually aware of these shortcomings until they go to CAPS and they're faced with these difficulties themselves. Students are not aware of the fact that there are only six therapy sessions for students with ship, and not everybody has ship. And even if you do have your own health insurance, you only get up to three therapy sessions. And it's a huge issue because as a student, you're living here at UCLA. And when you force that student to go and travel extra miles just to see a therapist, you know, it brings up the question of whether or not that travel to see that therapist is even worth it. As I was interviewing some students about this issue, one student um, commuted to UCLA uh, 30 miles and she was disappointed when she had to commute an additional 10 to 15 miles to see a therapist through her insurance company because, you know, if you're on campus the entire day at UCLA, you would expect that there would be some sort of person available to provide you that mental health treatment at the university.
0: So it seems like CAPS is going through a lot of difficulties, but a lot of the problems you seem to be bringing up are things that should be endemic of any public university that
1: mm-hmm.
0: has a counseling services.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What is it that's sort of unique to CAPS that's causing these these shortages in clinicians and these long wait times and congested lines?
1: When I spoke with Nicole Green. She said that this sort of issue is actually prevalent through a lot of um, mental health institutions across the country. And so I wouldn't say that there is anything unique about UCLA or unique about this particular story because I think you could find the story at any other college campus. And for CAPS, at least, the unique thing is CAPS frames itself as a short-term mental health facility but students don't actually find out that CAPS is a short-term mental health facility until they actually go to CAPS. What CAPS is doing right now is they have a lot of initiatives. It's not as if CAPS isn't aware of these problems. It's not as if CAPS isn't aware that there is an increasing amount of mental health need. In two thousand and nineteen, they're hosting a mental health resilience summit in efforts to change, to culturally change the, the attitudes surrounding mental health at UCLA. They have a student advisory board to advise them on mental health issues on campus. They're working with a club called Wazo Connect, which is a peer-to-peer counseling club. Um, they're working with USAC. It's not as if CAPS isn't trying, but the thing is, is it's sort of deflecting the responsibilities that it has as an institutionalized mental health treatment facility at UCLA to student groups and to other students who don't have the resources.
0: So what you're saying basically is that CAPS has been marketed as the official campus counseling and psychological services entity, but it's not able to provide those official services and, is more of a sort of conduit for people to pass into other services, be that long-term care at, you know, the Ronald Reagan Hospital or wherever insurance providers provide those resources, or to more short-term care that can be taken care of by students.
1: Right. So once a student exhausts those six therapy sessions, or perhaps if CAPS decides that a student doesn't need therapy sessions, they try to connect them to peer counseling But the thing is, is a lot of times students, you know, in that three to five week waiting period after the intake, when students do have the option to seek career counseling, a lot of students decide, you know, I'll just wait for caps. And that's because there is a big trust barrier that exists. If a student who decides to seek mental health treatment was able to get that treatment by talking to his friend, they would have done that. You know, there is real value in having a licensed medical professional treat your illness and not an actual student. There's a lot of things that I wouldn't want to tell my friends. There's a lot of things that, you know, you as a reader or you as a listener wouldn't want to tell your brothers or your sisters or your peers because they're personal. And also a licensed medical professional can help you work through those problems because that's why they got their degree.
0: You talked a bit about how CAPS has been trying to address these challenges, and you know that it's trying to interface with student groups, that it's organizing these summits, that it's sort of trying to address its high demand by diffusing the large student congestion among various different groups. But I think something that students are really wondering is why doesn't UCLA just give more funding to CAPS? Why can't Chancellor Jean Block or whoever is in charge of the financial committees, just write a big fat check to CAPS to give it more funding to allow it to hire more people and expand its services.
1: Well, UCLA did give more money to CAPS. 5,980 votes versus 3,969 votes or 60.1% versus 39.9%. Hashtag UCLA wellness passes. Uh, In 2016, the UCLA Wellness Initiative Referendum raised student fees by $6. $1.50 of that goes to CAPS. And the office so far has accumulated around $200,000 from that referendum as of May 2018. So if CAPS wants more funding, there needs to be another referendum passed through the undergraduate student government election.
0: With UCLA having a centennial campaign that it's raised $4.2 billion, with so many alumni, with so many philanthropists who give this campus their time and their energies, and most importantly, their money, doesn't CAPS have other ways of getting the institutional support it needs?
1: So the UCLA Centennial Campaign, as of um, October 11th, has raised $40 million towards student affairs, of which CAPS falls underneath that general umbrella. So I'm sure that they'll receive some sort of funding through that general effort.
0: But has there been sort of an indication from, suppose, Nicole Green or any other administrators that this would be used to fund and expand it? Or is the facility sort of locked in on this short-term mental health facility image that it's crafted?
1: It seems to me that cabs is locked in on this short-term mental health treatment mandate. According to Nicole Green, the responsibility for mental health treatment does not entirely fall on CAPS. There's an analogy that she used, and she sees CAPS as the 405. If she were to add another lane, that would for sure cause much more traffic on the 405, and a lot of people have requested their own lanes on the 405, such as graduate students, such as the athletics department. And there's no way she can add a lane for every single group on campus. And so CAPS has to find alternative routes or methods of travel, such as carpools, such as buses. So CAPS seems to be very locked into this idea that they are a short-term mental health treatment facility. She said there needs to be a cultural change on campus and the way we view mental health not as a taboo. However, the problem is is that CAPS is UCLA's institutionalized mental health treatment facility. If Nicole Green and if CAPS wants there to be a campus cultural change, then CAPS has to be that vehicle to lead that change.
0: So I want to... Dwell a bit on that highway analogy because it is, it does have a sort of sentimental connection to anybody who's lived in Southern California. What Nicole Green seems to be hinting at is that adding more facilities to CAPS would only increase demand for CAPS. And I wonder if that's sort of what your reporting has shown as well whether students go more to CAPS because they've heard more about it or because. It's just that increased student population on campus is driving more students to naturally attend CAPS because of the greater population.
1: Well, according to Carrie Bearden, um, psychology professor, Bearden said that if students were aware of all the resources for mental health treatment available on campus, they would actually use them. And unfortunately, as of right now, CAPS is advertised as that one-stop mental health treatment facility. And I'm not sure if there are any other services available um, for students on campus. Um, Nicole Green said that students have opportunities to go um, utilize clinical trials through the psychology department to receive this sort of treatment. But A lot of those clinical trials aren't exactly advertised either. And when you're seeking mental health treatment, you don't exactly look up clinical trials. You want to go see a doctor. You want to go directly to CAPS. I think in our society, as it's harder and harder to get into college and classes and life becomes more stressful and more competitive, there is an increasing amount of mental health need. And additionally, because I think as a society, We are changing, and people are more willing to speak up when they need help.
0: It seems like UCLA is sort of in this catch-22 of if it advertises CAPS, more people will be aware of it, but that can also increase traffic, and with increased mandates from the state government to admit more California residential students, its own student population is increasing, and that also could be driving up demand for CAPS. So I wonder, like, is California as a state supporting any initiative to improve mental health resources on college campuses in the state?
1: As of right now, Jerry Brown just vetoed Senate Bill 968, which would have mandated at least one full-time mental health professional per 1,500 students on campus. He vetoed this because of budgetary concerns. He did not think that the state should decide a minimum mental health counselor for every college campus and he felt that each college campus could decide on their own based on each college campus's budget on how many counselors they are able to have on their respective campus
0: so what you're saying then is that effectively universities are on their own yes Is there a way out for CAPS? Is there a way for it to properly address students' needs in a way that students understand what they're getting from the get-go with CAPS?
1: CAPS director Nicole Green doesn't believe that the sole responsibility for mental health falls on CAPS. Again, she believes that it is a campus, an institutional, and frankly, cultural-wide phenomenon that we need to address. And she also doesn't know the mandate of CAPS when it was originally established. But if mental health were a priority, then CAPS would have been established as a long-term mental health treatment facility on campus since the beginning. And if mental health were a priority today, then it wouldn't be so difficult for CAPS to become a long-term mental health facility. It's very logical for a student to think that a college campus should provide mental health care on campus, seeing that college campuses already provide some sort of medical treatment on campus. And this whole issue highlights the fact that there's really no official UCLA mental health treatment for students on campus.
0: That's it for this week's In The Know podcast. Check back in two weeks where we'll talk about a different topic. Got any ideas for what we should talk about for a future podcast? Send us an email at opinion at dailyburn.com. From The Daily Burn, I'm Keisha Thadimedi, and this is In The Know.